1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport To Myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well. Just as Fight Night, fight of my life. And even the Mike Tyson story, the boy from Brownsville.
3: This is Fight Night Extra on Talk Sport 2.
2: Good afternoon. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you, Final Extra. Myself, Adi Lodipo, and the great Gareth Faye Davis, where we discuss all the latest from the world of combat sports today. We're going to recap a busy, busy weekend in the ring. A routine win of sorts for Katie Taylor, a stunning win. For Kiko Martinez, and I thought an unconvincing win for Vasily Lomachenko. would will also get into the heavyweight division and discuss a tale of two interviews one that I did with Anthony Joshua for the zone, and Tyson Fury's now controversial interview, some say, with YouTube star True Geordie, which has caused shockwaves across the social media. Uh, Connor Ben relinquished his boxing license late last week. We're going to get stuck in to the best of the reaction to that story as it broke. We're going to hear from the likes of Frank Warren and Duke McKenzie on what the future holds for Connor Ben. And Jake Paul moved to 6-0 as a professional boxer after securing a unanimous points victory of a former UFC middleweight champ, UFC legend Addison Silva. Is it time now for him to face a pure boxer? <laughs>
4: heavyweight champion of the world.
5: He's a fighting man and he wants to fight regardless of who's watching, he just wants to fight and so do I. Cheers, man. I think you're <laughs> I I won't be
4: doing any more interviews with little If you've done it once, then you got caught out, then you do it again. It can't be contamination, can it? It's just it's just wrong, in my book. Yes, and much more aggressive sub and this is what you do. Oh. Have...
3: It's surreal. Uh, I don't think it'll hit me until like a couple of weeks from now. I feel like I'm living in a movie. You know, he was the one that told me I could accomplish anything if I set my mind to it.
2: Yeah, Jake Paul there talking after that victory over Anderson Silva. We're going to talk about what next um, for Jake Paul. Some possible names out there, the likes of Nate Diaz seem to be the most talked about one we'll, we'll discuss that but first though before we get into anything let's welcome in the great gareth a davis
3: how are you gareth i'm very well thank you addy that was a busy weekend of action with all those words from all those people mm. um and a lot going on as well around the conor ben story still and uh not it's not the conor ben story actually it's conor ben situation and yeah. it's what's happened in boxing let me put that clear because uh there is talk about the young man getting a lot of flack and struggling with it a little bit mentally is the sense I'm getting at the moment. But hell of a lot going on. Indeed. Um, and a few shocks as well, I think. Agreed. Yeah, So
2: much action. So many um, so many things going on outside of the ring that we're going to get stuck into as well. Let's let's talk about what happened in the ring first. Katie Taylor, um, another victory this week against Karen Karabahal. Uh, over the weekend um she wants that croak park fight w- watching the fight and sort of being ringside i don't want to be too critical of, of katie just because i've seen her put these type of performance in against the likes of jennifer han and sharapova and then she did what she did against amanda serrano so it's still there but if she is going to have that croak park fight and that's the fight she desperately wants i feel like that will probably be her last fight. I know she, she says she wants to continue, but I feel like she's there for the taking against someone that a couple of years ago probably wouldn't have taken her.
3: Look, the blueprints out there for beating Katie Taylor, Delphine Persoon did it, yeah? Tasha Jonas yeah. tried it. Mm. Amanda Serrano was very close to doing it. If you sit back and you're not fast enough and not tenacious enough and get in the... If you can get in the pocket with Katie Taylor, you can make her a fight. Mm. There's no question about it. Because... That amateur style of in and out very fast doesn't work on one of the very toughest women in the world, Eddie. And so um, Karen Carbajal did not have the style to implement that. You know, she's very light on her feet in many ways, even though she was throwing heavy punches um, and she couldn't pin the champion down, didn't have the footwork to do it, you know and get inside and challenge her, and you know, Katie Taylor, I thought was brilliant on the night, elusive, mm. picked her punches, went into exchanges, tried to find the right timing, I think it was a fine performance, she didn't suffer that much damage, um, and and I thought she won the fight easily on points, yeah, you
2: know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I agree, in terms of a, the point score, then yeah, she, she probably lost maybe a round, right, she, she, she was that dominant, um, speaking to her after, she, she's desperate for that Irish return, we know there are bigger hurdles and problems in order to get that fight done in Ireland, but she wants Croke Park, she wants 80,000 in terms of dance partners, I spoke and I said look, what is it, Amanda Serrano, is it Baumgardner, is it Chantel Cameron that fights this weekend, she only, in her team who I spoke to after, they only want Amanda Serrano, that's the one that they want, they feel like there is unfinished business because some people maybe thought she was lucky to get the win at Madison Square Garden it it makes sense, isn't it, that it is Amanda Serrano, hopefully Jake Paul and Eddie can come together
3: Yeah, I think there's more than that available, actually, Eddie, if you really spin it out. I think what you've got is a huge fight at Croke Park, Mm. um, a homecoming that is possible. Eddie Hearn told me in a walk and talk for five minutes after we'd had an off-the-record chat with him about (laughs) Conor Ben's situation last Wednesday, Mm. um, which more things came out about Conor Ben, more of which later in the show, of course. But um, he was saying that they've made advancements with the Irish government and the Irish police. Those are the two factors that you need to think about to get this um, fight over the line after the shooting in 2016, where, you know, boxing does exist in Ireland, but the, the big events haven't been taking place. Yeah, I think there's another fight as well. She likes rematches, Katie, because she likes to think, or f- not to think, but she likes to work on improving against that opponent who's really challenged her. Did it with Delphine Passoon. I thought she beat her the second time. Um, I think there's a Tasha Jonas. If she beats Amanda Serrano, I think there's a Tasha Jonas really big fight back in the UK in the stadium as well, in my view. Um, I wouldn't be averse to seeing that in any shape or form. Would you? No,
2: no, honestly, no, I wouldn't at all. And, and I like, the idea of a Tasha Jonas fight as well. Obviously, Tasha now sort of campaigning at 154 pounds. Can she come back down to maybe 140? And I think she would for this type of fight as well. She, she would definitely yeah. do it. So she does have options. And I guess that's why, and I think she found it quite rude when I kind of said, you know, you come coming to the end. Is, it, is that it? She probably thinks, well, I've got five or six fights out there. I don't want to right now. There's five or six big fights out there, fights that... Well, cement her is the, the probably the best female fight we've ever seen in terms of resume and legacy, and I think she wants to have those. So look, they're out there. I, I just feel like physically she had a lot of tough fights. You mentioned those Delphin Pasune ones and Lina Datta, and Serrano hit her with yeah. everything as well. Tasha can crack, and I just <laughs> I, I, I hate. I'm always get in, get rich, get out. You know, and she's thirty six, and she's, she's thirty six as well. Yeah,
3: but Addie, Addy, you're. She is getting rich. Mm. She got a million bucks for yeah. for the Serrano. for the um, for the Serrano fight, Madison Square Garden. She probably got well paid for Saturday night. I reckon it'll be in the hundreds, of thousands, a couple of hundreds, maybe two fifty. Yeah. 250. yeah. Um, and Serrano again will will put her in the probably the multi millions for that fight. It'll be mm. the biggest women's fight headline we've ever seen in terms of audience. It'll be amazing, mm. and I think it'll do very well. On I hope they do it on pay per view in Ireland, frankly, because I think I think. She will walk away with riches that she deserves. But I do think that if they can main event her, that because it's been such an outstanding year of growth for the platform and resonance and 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 kind of increase in the value of women's boxing by really just two or three events.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, and I think they should keep. You know, leaving now I think is just a little bit too brief for me right now, just as it's taking off. I get you.
2: Know? you. I, I fully understand that you're right. I mean, it has gone to a level that maybe none of us expected. Mm-hmm. And right mm-hmm. now with all these good fights and money on the table, probably walking away after one more is probably the wrong thing to do. And I agree. Well, well,
3: well, you know, there's, there's Tasha headlines uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't she? In, mm-hmm. Or is she about to? She's I think she's about to about yeah. headline. she's about to. About to headline in Liverpool. We got, um, You know, the the 11 women card, Serrano and Taylor, um, Baumgardner and Meyer. There's a lot of talk about all these things. We've got
2: Cameron McCaskill coming up.
3: Cameron McCaskill. You know, I just did a little show the other day that was on the BBC iPlayer. All these are are, are incremental. There was a women's headline event at the York Hall on Saturday night. 1,100 people. uh, Into boxing. So you, you can... When, when you're inside the industry, you can definitely feel it. You know how much a fight's worth sometimes. So mm. I, I just think it's, you know, I'm hoping the BBC will take um, unified promotion events because, you know, the, then it's on the iPlayer. Then it's, we're always going to cover it in our sphere because it's part of our journalism, of the growth of what's happening. Dazoner responsible, you know, uh, Frank Warren's got Raven, hasn't he? There's mm. all, the, all the guys, I mean, I don't know whether I told you about this. I know we're staying on the women's boxing here, but I think it's an amazing theme at the moment. Um, you know, back in the... It was 1998, a bit of a little bit of history. 1998, when Jane Couch got a licence taking the Boxing Board of Control to the High Court for restraint of trade, and medical researchers said that women weren't medically fit to fight. You know, it wasn't great. It wasn't... They weren't built in that way. She won her case. She fought at Stratton's night... Um, at caesar's nightclub in stratton um sticky floored nightclub with the ceilings were almost touching the boxers heads when they were standing in the ring it was a brilliant night she knocked uh, simona lukic out in two rounds it was her 10th fight but the, the previous fights had been unlicensed so at the same time in america mia st john who had a, a degree in psychology p- appeared on the cover of playboy was called the kind of The busty bunny boxer, unfortunately, labelled that by the media. Bob Aram was trying to promote her on the undercard of loads of Oscar De La Hoya fights. You know, she had brawns and brain and looks, but it just wasn't the right time. Mm. And I think, um, having watched that history myself and been involved and written about it, there's never been a better time. There's 50 licensed women last year, um, 50 new licensed women in Britain. Wow. yeah yeah that, yeah that it was and i'm going to find out how many this year as well and i think it is growing mm. uh, all the time sometimes it's a there's a there's a you know there's an element of the youtuber side to it as well that hasn't grown yet we haven't seen we haven't had a little bit of that but i think it's fascinating anyway i really do as mm. is your interview with uh Anthony Joshua that we're going to discuss
2: Neil yeah, we'll discuss that a bit later we'll hear from a little clip of Tyson Fury's interview with True Jordy as well get your reaction to that uh, well I've already when, reacted, I, I, I've, I've reacted I've seen, I've seen quite apparently. a few of your videos <laughs> 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 I, I've seen a few of your Twitter, your Twitter beefs as well which have been fun to read um, let's talk about Kiko Martinez um, the old statesman that never, never seems to go away when you think he's done he, he's certainly not Yeah, and um, he for, for want of a better way he destroyed Jordan Gill Absolutely yeah. destroyed him. Um, and look, I mean, he's clearly the gatekeeper at world level, which is a bit disrespectful because he's been a world champion. But he shows there's life, a lot of life left in the old dog.
3: Look, um, I don't think we can call him a gatekeeper. I yeah. really mm-hmm. don't. You know, I mean, 57 fights, 36 years of age. You know, um, you know, he, he's la sensacion. Yeah. Really, is that? And 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 you you look at all the way back. I'm just looking here on his record as we speak actually all right um when did he first won the IBF super bantamweight title in uh, in 2013 so he's been at world level and before that he fought frampton uh, Carl frampton and lost to him of course for the european and ibf intercontinental that was an amazing night in the odyssey arena in belfast actually i remember um, as a you, kid
2: watching him against yeah. binman Rendell roe back in 2008
3: yeah, yeah, Rendell Monroe as yeah. well. I went. I did the bins once in the, uh, early in the morning did with you? Rendell with Monroe Rendell. in December. The fittest box I've ever seen in my life, man. Five in the morning. Yeah. yeah, we started. Like I was in and out of the van, but he's jogging the whole time. It's it was crazy. snowing and icy. <laughs> he did the whole bin round. He he, t- he took me to the cafe to have. Uh, we, we had a kind of a fry up with all of his mates that do the bin round, all his colleagues. Amazing chat about mm. reggae music and how his dad used to have reggae songs like and records like across a whole wall playing sounds all the time. We had amazing chat. And then he went off for a 10-mile run before training. Crazy. <laughs> Honestly, he had the best abs in boxing. So, Honestly, he was so, ripped as anything. Yeah, he, he was an amazing physical specimen. But, you know, you look at Kiko. I say Kiko fought him, but then, you know, working upwards, he's fought everyone in mm. the era. Yeah. You know, Frampton... Jonathan Romero, um, Matthew Bula, Carl Frampton again, Scott Quigg, um, Leo Santa Cruz, Josh Warrington, you know, Gary Russell Jr., Zelfa Barrett, Kid Galahad, Josh Warrington again. I mean, it's, that, 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 that's, it's
2: that's, incredible that's experience. Incredible list,
3: yeah. yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. He's, he, he, he is one of the greatest boxers ever to come out of Spain. There's it, it, no indeed. doubt about it. 100%. Francisco Martín Sanchez, hundred yeah, percent. When,
2: when I asked him, uh, very quick, I just asked. I remember asking him after the fight. I said, "Look, people always keep writing you off, and you keep winning." He said, "Because those people go and party and drink. I train like literally. He is he is very very serious. Also very very serious is Vasily Lomachenko, who's back. Um, didn't look his best. I think it's fair to say against Jermaine Ortiz, but got the job done just." Um, it looks like it could be the Haney fight Next Haney stepped into the ring And they kind of went face to face Or at least face to chest Because Haney looks so much bigger than him um, What did you make of Loma's return to the ring?
3: Well look You you kind of put it You encapsulated it very well there He's, he's 34 years old um, I think he's 35 in Feb mm-hmm. next year So yep. it's coming up um, 350 amateur fights um, And you know that's a lot of fights. Yeah. There's a lot of fights. And now he's getting up to the 20 mark in his pro boxing career and people are getting younger and tougher. Jermaine Cruz really wanted to take his moment. He's not big in the weight division, you know. Um, he's probably naturally the weight division below. He's probably a 130 rather than a 135, mm-hmm. you know, to be fair physically. Yep. Um, so he, he's always overmatched. Um and, you know, there's some big, strong boys in that division. Look, if he gets – for me, he probably doesn't – oh, I don't know. Maybe he beats Steven Haney, maybe he doesn't. But I just feel he might be overwhelmed by size a little bit. Agreed. Know?
2: Agreed. It's um, a shame as
3: well. But you cannot write him off either because I think he is one of the great, great boxers that I've ever seen. But I think if Haney doesn't let him work, it could be very tough for him. It could be a very tough night. I think. I think Lomachenko against Ryan Garcia is even more thrilling, by the way, the idea of it. Yeah, look,
2: Loma's, Loma's back and it's a good thing for boxing that he is yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. All right, you'll listen to Find it Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to hear from Frank Warren and Duke McKenzie on the Conor Ben fiasco that just doesn't go away and keeps on growing, if I'm honest with you. And we'll ask what next for Jake Paul after he saw of Anderson Silva. But next up, though, we're going to hear from Anthony Joshua and the Gypsy King Tyson Fury. Good afternoon, welcome back to Final Extra on Talk Sport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with the former Unified Heavyweight Champion of the World, Anthony Joshua, uh, for the Zone. We started by speaking about Anthony Joshua and that, what happened at the end of the fight against Alexander Usyk. And I also spoke with him about a certain Tyson Fury. This is what he had to say when I asked him, will the Tyson Fury fight happen?
5: My dance partner, the last geezer I was supposed to fight, he's a good yeah. dance partner. He handles social media side of I think we do good business behind the scenes, to be fair.
2: Yeah, I think that dance partner that we're referring to, obviously Tyson
5: Fury, fingers crossed, sorry. You can bleep you know, that out nah, if you nah, want. Nah, nah, it will happen though. It will happen. Come on, F- like, fingers Same crossed. generation. Same I, I now.
2: said this as well. I've always said, yeah. look, same generation, two Brits. Mm. It's a fighter that sells at Wembley Stadium 10 times over. But
5: even aside fight from fight. that, like that's the like the entertainment side. But yeah. just as two competitors, right? Yeah. Two fighters, he's definitely someone that. Is a fighting man. Mm. And what people fail to realise, like, they say the social media stuff's annoying. But culturally speaking, from Tyson Fury's culture, like, um, the gypsy culture...
1: Mm.
5: So he's only doing, to culture. be fair, what he's always seen around him. What he's always seen around Agreed. him. So what we see is something like, why is he on social media? I know that's just, like... From where I grew up, I've been around that community as well. So I know that that's just how they call out fights and stuff. It's nothing personal. Mm. But from my culture, we don't really deal with things like that. We're a bit no. more low-key and just yeah. handle our business, so... That's where there's a bit of a culture clash. But yeah. two fighting guys, aside from tens of thousands of people coming out to an amazing stadium, he's a fighting man and he mm-hmm. wants to fight. Regardless of who's watching, he just wants to fight. And so do I.
2: Tyson Fury, sorry, Anthony Joshua they're speaking to me um, a couple of weeks ago at What's For The Zone. That interview is now available. On the DAZN platform, it's also available on YouTube as well. So you can watch the interview in full. He does go into, uh, speaking about Alexander Usyk, we speak about potential opponents as well. Hergovic, Dillian White, Otto vollin uh,
3: He's favouring Dillian White, isn't he? You can
2: see it in, it in that interview as well. Just the reaction um, from his team, which were just looking at me from one side. As soon as I mentioned Dillian White, I kind of looked at them and I could almost mm. see... I thought a hint as to what they're going to do next. Um, and I will say yeah. this, I, I'm pretty upset that AJ's not fighting. I remember I did say in that interview, and I've kind of contradicted myself since, that it, it was good to have a rest. But the fact he's not fighting December 3rd or December 17th, I think it's disappointing. Um, because that means if he is favouring Dylan White, Dylan White's got a fight coming up against Jermaine Franklin in a couple of weeks. That means we're not yeah, going to see him in the ring April. until April. April. Yeah,
3: it's April. not good It'll enough. it be April. No, it might not be good enough, but what I did pick up from your interview with him was there's definitely a respect for Tyson Fury, definitely a respect, and for Fury's culture in the way that um, Anthony put that stuff, Eddie, but also clearly in him is an appetite to fight Tyson Fury, and I, I saw it in that interview. Yeah. He wants to fight Tyson Fury, and I love it. And mm. they will meet, even though Tyson's saying at the moment they won't. Yeah, they will. They'll do think, meet. Do you, they'll do you really think they will, Gareth? I, yeah, I in remember. the next yeah. two years, they'll meet. They'll meet in the next two years. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. yeah well, I think so. Big with... fight. Big, big fight. Um, massive. I mean, you, you yeah. know more than anyone's. But sort of I want Joshua there. to win two fights first. I want him to, you know, beat. I don't want him to beat Dillian White. I, whoever wins, wins. I'm not mm. saying I want Anthony to beat Dillian White, but um i hope he beats Stillian white and then wins again and that's a there's a it could be a mandatory then for um you know you could get close to being mandatory for one of the belts anyway so um those two fight without belts it's still mega it's oh mega my it's, it's a just... generational fight you said it yeah. they're in their prime still both of them are in their prime mm. even in a couple of years they're both still very close to being in their prime so it happens. I'm sorry. It happens.
2: Mm. You, you saw in an interview, and, I mean, um, Gareth sent me a couple of messages as well uh, about the interview, which is nice. I like a bit of, a bit of feedback from Mr. Davis because I he's always learn from the best. But you saw in the interview where he mentioned his mental state uh, and that sort of friends were saying, maybe take a break because of where he is mentally. Again, we saw what happened at the end of the That's uh, conventional the
3: wisdom fight. in boxing. Conventional mm. wisdom in boxing and the right thing to do. So a good rest now is good because he's settled again. He's not emotional about things. He's not overtraining. He's not yeah. pushing himself. He, he's, he's pushing himself for a deeper, stronger reason, mm. um, and and he's having to think about it, and that's really good. I thought he came across very well with you. I mean, you and him get on. Yeah. You have a lot of cultural identity that you share as well, and I know it's difficult for you to criticise him sometimes um, because mm. of the way we are, you know, mm. no, because I mean, I I do. I mean, I I've I've spent a lot of time critiquing. Anthony, but I've spent a lot of time saying how brilliant he is. Yeah, and he is. Yeah. Um and I and I think I'd love to see him get back. No. Um, and it I really British want to see him challenge Tyson Fury. And yeah, golf.
2: of course. You I mean know? We, we know what AJ, you you know more than others what AJ's done for British boxing, and it, it's just it will be good to see him versus Tyson Fury, same generation, same era. Yeah. It has to happen. Do you think um, and one thing that I didn't ask him, which I'm gutted, you know, when you do these interviews, you, you almost leave and think I should have asked that. Robert Garcia we we haven't heard much about whether or not that's mm. continuing
3: do, do you think it is continuing do you think it's done well, because you didn't ask him, Addy, we don't know. <laughs> now, if you'd done your job properly and asked him, we'd all bloody well know now, live on air, wouldn't we? <laughs> no, I think, look, he was definitely... <laughs> he was definitely an improved fighter under Robert Garcia in Saudi. Mm. We saw it. We definitely saw it. He, he, I don't care what anyone said, says or says about the way we talk about him. Mm. Um, he definitely was in that fight in the ninth and 10th rounds. And it's a shame he didn't have it to, to pin Yusick down and really stop him, which is what he had to do, I think, or at least outbox him in the last three rounds. He's improved. Robert Garcia is good for him. Robert Garcia is good for anyone. Yeah. He's a great person. Um, I think he wants different conditions. Um, I'm sure they'll get into it once he knows who he's fighting Mm. and we've got to wait till I think was it November the 17th till Dillian's fought yeah something something like that 26th we'll know then we'll know then because he'll be getting into camp then. I think because you know he might face as Eddie Hearn said if if, um, Jermaine his name escapes me right now Franklin sorry yes Jermaine Franklin quite right yes silly to forget that Jermaine Franklin wins that could be the next Anthony Joshua opponent.
2: Indeed, it'd be good if AJ's ringside for that one as well. All right, right let's talk about the now infamous interview between Tyson Fury and True Geordie. Um, it, it's, it's just no, no wasting time here. Let's just get straight into it. What, what did you make of it? Um, was Tyson Fury wrong? Did True Geordie push buttons that he maybe shouldn't have pushed? What's your initial thoughts after watching it? I'm sure you have watched it.
3: Yeah, he asked all the questions that all the casual boxing fans, all the hardcore boxing fans want to ask where they never have an ongoing knowledge of what's going on, you know, right across the panoply of the sport. And they're they're very much right in their own rights to ask that question. Of course. You know, true, Jordy, Brian Davis, as he is, that is his name. You know, he's a a, a football, I think he's emerged through football, um, but has a, a, a speak in boxing now. And he says a voice there. I mean, I watched one of his interviews the other day with Jordan Peterson. Well, it wasn't an interview. It was a monologue from Peterson for an hour and a half, which was interesting. Um, but um, I, I think Tyson Fury really just lost patience with him because he was kind of teasing him a little bit and poking him, and just asking the questions that that we ask, and then we don't ask ten times ourselves because we kind of know the answers. Like yes, Chizora is not the perfect opponent, um, but you know, in reality, it works. And you and I have spoken to this on our, about this to this on our show it's just a pairing that works right now you know
2: um i don't want you know know i'm not interested in fighting martin bacoli and no that that was a name but you know what it is gaff i did a sort of video on my own youtube channel and i was talking about the interview and i did say like and i mentioned your name on it actually in glowing terms i don't actually have a go at you i actually mentioned you in positive terms i said Mm -hmm. like a lot of youtubers if they do push the buttons with a lot of these fighters they kind of can get a negative response and it's almost like a lot of the top boxers know that youtubers are desperate for the monetization and the money so yeah the, the youtubers are almost treading softly around fighters I said of all the people I've seen interview fighters the only ones that are not afraid to push buttons I said are you and Steve Bunce I actually mentioned you I said they have a way uh, of asking the questions where you know the fighters might be uncomfortable but they've got the respect of the fighters so the fighters will always answer the questions and i feel like the youtubers don't and i feel like true geordie sort of did it two ways it was asking questions that youtubers won't but it was also asking it in a way in which maybe was a bit condescending and a bit disrespectful to tyson fury but i still feel like boxers don't like uncomfortable questions and that sometimes that is how they react to them and again you have been able to kind of do it, maybe through experience and the way in which you word the questions, but not many can get away with it. And I think that's where I didn't like Tyson Fury's response. Um, you can ask questions, but he seemed to get very irate quickly with the questions. And I don't know, maybe you need to sort of give people journalism lessons, but you you, you have a way of asking those questions and getting a response.
3: Well, I, I, I think... It's about it's about trust, isn't it? I mean, if you're in the industry and you're around fighters a lot, they they kind of know you. Yeah. You know, they might know at one side you're a bit of a lunatic, you know, or <laughs> this, that, and the other about you, you, you know. But they know that you. I think it's just having history. And look, sometimes when you when you are in an industry, you can overlook the story. You can you can overlook the top line as well. So I would say it the other way around in their favor as well. But I think. When you're when you're working with people a lot, you you, I don't want to make this sound wrong, but sometimes certainly with the Connor Ben case at the moment and and this case with 26 hours lost that really did in a vacuum saw boxing get ravaged and pilloried morally and ethically, in my view. Um, And I think it has and it's still going to be there for a while. You know, sometimes when you're in that situation, you're corresponding with a lot of people. And they're all giving you answers, but you're not publishing them because they're not they're not the full picture. And, you know, it's not a tabloid headline or it's not a that's not it's not what I'm trying to do. Um, But I think when. I think he did fine in the interview, but I just think he got it in a bit of a weird order. I know that sounds strange, but you're kind of alluding to this right now. There's a time when you pick your moment, when when you can get true emotion out of a fight, or you can go truthful, or you leave a gap. Mm. Um, look, boxing is a sport of opinions, and always will be. Um, you know, I've been listening to some tapes, old stuff from way back when, and loads of great fighters had fights that the public didn't like, or the newspapers were against, or, you know, the, the world champions up against the bum of the month. These are just people's views. And, you know, there's there's a, you know, there's democracy about publishing views now. You don't have to listen to people's views, but everybody's got a view. Mm. It's the, it's it's the resentful ones. I don't think he was being resentful towards him. I think he was digging him and we've all been there. He just had enough. That's enough. Not good,
2: though, with the end words, though, was it? Like, he could have shut that interview down without the last 30 seconds.
3: No, I'd rather have seen them sitting next to each other with him doing that. And seeing what the guy was going to, how the guy was going to react. I don't think he would have said anything back. <laughs> he don't say anything back to the
2: heavyweight champion of the world. I tell you that now. All right, you'll listen to Fight Extra on Talksport Two. Still to come, we are going to talk Jake Paul. He moved to six and zero as a pro boxer with that win over Anderson Silva. But up next, the Conor Ben saga rumbles on and on. He's now relinquished his British boxing license. What does the future hold
1: for him?
4: Connor Ben has failed, by his own admission now, uh, in the articles with The Sun and The Times, two tests carried out by voluntary anti-doping.
5: I think they're
2: scrambling away to get him out of the focus. Whether well, he's going to go to Australia, where his dad is, and could try and get licensed over there.
4: Yeah. Whether he's going to try and go somewhere else. I don't know what it is, but what he doesn't appear to be doing is addressing the fundamental issue. And give him a B sample. At the end of the day, it was in his system. It's on the banned list. It is a performance enhancing drug. It is down to them now to prove that innocence and come up with a plausible reason as to why that is in his system. Comes into your office, breaking down on the floor, pleading his innocence, looking you in his eyes, giving you every opportunity to tell you the truth. And when you see the facts, I believe that Conor Ben is innocent in this case.
2: You know, it's crazy because we record uh, these shows on Tuesdays, you guys know all this happened on Wednesday. So we missed it by a day. Um, uh, Connor Ben relinquished his British Boxing Board of Control license. I'm going to read a statement. This is from the British Boxing Board of Control. Again, this was on Wednesday last week. It says Conor Ben was called by the board of the British Boxing Board of Control to attend a hearing to deal with allegations of misconduct pursuant to Rule 2511. The hearing took place on the 21st of October 2022. On the morning of the hearing, Mr. Ben voluntarily relinquished his license with the British Boxing Board of Control in accordance with With its rules and regulations, the board determined the allegations following the hearing at which which Mr. Ben was legally represented. Uh, Mr. Ben's promoter, Eddie Hearn, insists there will be an imminent announcement from the 26-year-old explaining he's failed drugs test. Um, This is almost becoming one of those sort of moments in boxing history in this country, which I think now is surpassing anything I can remember that we've had with drug issues in the past. Like... You think of like Tyson Fury and the Nandrolone and all the the boar meat stuff and Dillian White B sample. This is now eclipsing them all, and I feel like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I know that Conor Ben's done the rounds and he's spoken to various news outlets. And I think he's actually making an appearance on Talksport next week. He's going to go on YouTube channels. I, I I don't know what he does anymore. I'm I'm really I'm not quite sure. Hey, you not know sorry to. I want you to jump in on this one, but very quickly as well. On his Instagram, I think about three, four weeks ago, he started leaving statements saying, I hope the apology is as loud as sort of how you guys have victimized me. And I think he left the Malcolm X quote as well. So I thought, based on that, I thought, okay, we're good. He's going to have something that's going to change my mind and everyone's going to, you know, be sorry. And nothing. So I'm not quite sure what's happening here.
3: Well, look. F- f- first of all, from what you were talking about just then, it was five days earlier that he's relinquished. Re- even though it was announced last Wednesday, it was mm. five days earlier. It was on the Friday that he relinquished his license. I was a little bit miffed at the time because we'd been sitting with Eddie Hearn about eight of us in the national newspapers talking about, um, you know, what was going on behind the case. Some was off the record, some was on the record, and and you know, Eddie didn't give too much away. To be fair, mm. um, and he didn't. Um, and then. I think the the problem with this is that there's a fog of uncertainty out there. It's really absolutely and fundamentally clear that the sport needs to learn from this. I know we're not there yet, but it must change its procedures quickly to deal with difficult emerging circumstances, which is what this was. Transparency would help that, Addy, and answers, any answers, not just from Ben, but from everyone. I've got a series of questions here, right? Go on. That we will answer over the next few weeks. Why did the boxing board wait so long to make its decision to cancel the fight? Why can't a promoter such as Hearn cancel an event without the board say so? Mm. Last week Hearn claimed he was powerless to do so, if you remember, contractually, yeah. while Newbank was still prepared to fight. Where's the moral compass, I say? Why did they ever think they could go on with the event after the failed test? Why wasn't the first tail, failed test that we later learned about on Friday last week in July revealed as well? We know why, because medical evidence can be withheld because it's personal and, you know, data protection, all those kind of things. Um, you know, the um, protection of the personal person's personal health matters, medical records do not have to be disclosed necessarily. But even now, why are we asking Why did Ben surrender his license afterwards? Where's the hearing? And and his lawyers, I think, have claimed that he wasn't actually fully licensed with the board and and that it had elapsed. Where are these doctors? Who are these sports scientists who gave advice to Eubank, which persuaded him he should still fight? We need to hear from laboratory scientists. Mm. And I mean this positively. Specialists in the art of detection uh, and those with deep and detailed knowledge of how and why substances show up and a cross section of them ben could have been very very unlucky there's been talk of clomiphene in eggs mm. in in um in uh, supplements mm-hmm. as well um and i've had i've had um, texts this week from people i trust very deeply in the industry and in the fight world who i've known for 15 16 17 years who are biochemists who also fought um who are telling me that if they could know the trace amounts of clomiphene, they will tell you whether it's from a contaminated batch or not, of something, rather than rather than being in a cycle. Yeah. Um, so there is potential for him to get his name off and we must be aware of that. Um, Tony Sims isn't speaking at the moment. I didn't speak to Connor Ben last week. I think the journalists he spoke to know the lawyer that's working for him, Mike Morgan, and I think they know that He's very strong on things and I think they'll plead a contamination case and they will ask the other side, UCAD, the board, to prove it's not that. And I think he'll probably get a ban because it was in his system. Um, but I just wonder here, is there a, a, a ban, narrative?
2: A ban that he accepts from the, the British Boxing and Border Control or a ban worldwide so that he can't fight anywhere else?
3: Well, I think it's probably going to be a year's ban. I, I mean, if, if that's the case, or he, or he gets his name off, or, they, they, or he gets off. He, he gets off with contamination. The problem, the problem in all of this is how a young man who is very loved by the British public and by the insiders in the industry, fantastic value, um, how he clears his name. If he can, I
2: think it's difficult. I hope difficult. he does. I, I, and I, I, hope I he sincerely does. hope he does, but I think it's yeah, difficult because we you know what we're like over here when it comes to just drugs in sport, especially boxing and the way in which this has played out as well. Let's hear from uh, former freeweight world champion uh, Duke McKenzie. This is him giving his thoughts on Conor Ben relinquishing his license with the British Boxing Border Control.
4: For him to do what he's done, you know, they're talking about contamination, right? So if you've done it once, then you got caught out. Then you do it again. It can't be contamination, can it? Because he'd been caught twice for doing the same thing. Mm. So, if it was me, take his license away. You know, because you cannot, you cannot, you cannot cheat in the sport of boxing. Not if you're going to put on a pair of gloves and get inside that square circle and physically fight somebody, and potentially you could easily lose your life. Then, to take anything which is which will give you in, enhance your performance. It's just, it's just wrong, in my book. But you know what? I, I also think that you know what he's done. He's, he's, you know, he's. It's like a slap in the face for his dad. His dad was an absolute warrior. I remember his dad well fighting, and he was an absolute warrior. And some of the fights he had will go down in, in boxing history as being some of the most savage fights ever. I, I don't think his his dad ever got done for anything illegal. And to me, it's just wrong. It just, it stinks. The whole thing stinks. So. You know, everybody's got an opinion on it and, and that that's my opinion.
2: Yeah, that's Duke McKenzie there speaking um, at the time to Andy Goldstein and Darren Bent. You can see that clip in full on TalkSports Boxing's YouTube page. Um, what do you make of what uh, Duke McKenzie had to say there, Gareth?
3: Well, it's like your colleague on own, Tony Bellew, it's the same. They, they come from a school of thought where if you test positive for something, mm. then you should be banned. Um, and it's proven that you've taken it deliberately, then you should be banned for life. Yeah. Tony Bellew and... and you know, others, Michael Conlon, Carl Frampton, yeah, others have exactly the same. A lot Carl of them very just strong said the views same on thing that. as well. Carl yeah. Frotch, um, you know, maybe because they know with bumps and bruises that they've taken and, and, you know, they're declaring that they've never taken anything by those statements. Um, but I think what's difficult is um, he's clearly pleading his innocence. Um, you know, I've had messages from his trainer saying... I just don't think he would ever have let us down like this. There's been other views on you know when when there is um a positive substance that it's it the whole team's responsible rather than the individual. I'm not sure about that, but no, no. um that's a big discussion, but look, you know, America leads the way in all of this. Boxing um when it's uh, bad. It's very, very bad. And when it's good, it's amazing. You know, the um, biggest problem here, Gareth, is the biggest
2: problem is, and Conor Ben has let us know now. He did the first test in July, and I think that came positive in August. Everything should stop then. Everything should have stopped right there. Someone's failed a test. We have to find out what's going on. But instead, and we all know this now. People have tried to carry on. Then another test, mm. and that's failed. And then the events going to carry on. It's been messy from the get go rather yeah. than stopping, all the up. way to the end all the, all way, the way to the,
3: the bitter bitter end unfortunately mm. and and as a result it has you know that's the thing there's a there's a tapestry history when the mob ran, ran boxing in America in the 50s and Sonny Liston went down to the second fight with Ali from the Phantom Punch and mm. um that you know that he was controlled by the mob and the mob controlled lots of boxing and you know, Jake LaMotta admitted, if you recall, Don Majeski was talking about this the other day on Pitch Boxing with Johnny Nelson that um, that Jake LaMotta admitted going down for the mob. You know, um, and there's lots of op- there's lots of things in boxing. Um, Panama Lewis with his with his, um, with, his um, with his with his with um, his raps illegal you know, hardened raps yep. um, when he was fighting and the guy was never the same, the guy fought, he went to prison for that. So there is there is precedent for dark arts going on in boxing. And that's why when a boxer does test positive, he generally gets a bad rap because of the history of boxing. But he's got to get through this, Connor. He's got to get through it.
2: No, he certainly has to. All right, you're listening to Find Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, what now for YouTuber turned boxer Jake Paul after he moved to 6-0 and with his latest victory?
4: And this
3: is you, oh. win. By you know, Nate Diaz was here acting like a b- uh, everyone wants that fight. He tried to fight people in the hallway. Nate, stop fighting people for free. Let's do it in the ring, okay? I know, I know you're a little slow, buddy, but uh, it's okay. We can make that fight happen. And you too, Canelo. You're getting old. You looked weird against Triple G. I, I still want that fight as well
2: i'll give you the i'll give you the nate diaz talk the canelo talk. behave absolutely i do like jake paul though he brings entertainment brings something a bit different to the sport of boxing Uh, moved to 6-0 with his win over anderson silver and i have to be honest i think i think you as well Gareth. i think we both said that um anderson would beat him um so credit to jake paul got the job done and it's onwards and upwards for him now. There's a queue of fighters that he can fight, guys that are maybe faded, former MMA guys, whatever. He, he's almost creating this own sort of role, this little niche sort of boxing slash MMA guys that he can fight. And the list is endless.
3: Yeah, he draws attention, doesn't he? And you've been around him. He's a fascinating character. Yeah, he's, got, he's, got, he's got huge cojones to do what he's doing. He's doing things. Let's go back to women's boxing for Amanda Serrano and some of the other women out there. You, you know, I mean, it was it was like a you know it was it was a slow a slow rumble those two on on Saturday night in Glendale, Arizona, and he did a good job. And and Anderson's slow now. Um, you know, he's a little lethargic when he box. I think he's forty seven, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Jake's in his prime, in his late twenties. So you know, he, he, he was able to handle himself. He's a big guy. I think it was at one hundred and eighty seven pounds, so he didn't have to cut any weight. Um, you know, yeah, I wanna see it. I wanna see him against um Tommy Fury, I wanna see him against uh well, I don't want to see him against Mayweather, I'll, even though I think I'm we're seeing Mayweather together on Friday, aren't we?
2: I think we are, are you I'm not there unfortunately at the press conference. I'm there. Yeah,
3: I'm there, there on Friday. I'm I'm doing your job. Then, are are you are you are you coming to Dubai as well? I don't know yet. We've got
2: to get you to Dubai, come on. I may
3: I may be tempted over, yes. Come on, come on, get I may yourself be tempted over there. Over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will probably come if work requires it. Yes.
2: Now I'm, I'm gonna have to have a, a word with someone. Not that I've got the power, but you've got get, Mr. Gareth a. Davis has got to be on the broadcast.
3: <laughs> well, look, I tell you, I tell you what I will say is <clears throat> Tommy Fury and uh, Floyd Mayweather will be there on Friday at mm. uh, at your call. I'll ask him to, um, you know, Mayweather. We think Sir Jake Paul. We know that he wants his cat back. He always wants his cat back, doesn't mm. he? Did you, um, how
2: dangerous a fight would that be for Mayweather now?
3: No, oh, I don't think it'd be dangerous at all for Mayweather. Really?
2: Someone that no, big, he's, he's just big does not he? School, he's only
3: he'd be, he'd, he'd still schooling. He's schooling. Okay. He's absolutely schooling. But you know, it's uh, you know, it's uh, there's a whole spectrum of fights going on at the moment, and it is fascinating. And I would have picked Anderson Silver to win that against Jake Paul. Um, I am surprised. Um You know, it was seven to one, Anderson silver to win on points in that fight, I think it was. I thought Anderson was
2: going to win on points as well. It's just, Mm. I mean, father time waits for no one. You're 47 and you're fighting a young, hungry, bigger guy. I mean, there's going to be problems. Uh, Very quickly on this one, Nate Diaz was backstage fighting anyone that Nate can find to fight. Uh, That's Nate Diaz for you. He's now obviously out of his UFC contract. That's the obvious fight to make. And if you're Nate, that's what you want. I guess Jake wants Nate as well because he wants to do the pay-per-view numbers. Nate makes sense, right?
3: Well, if Jake Paul's meeting Nate Diaz uh, at uh, the T-Mobile Arena um, early in March, do you want to watch it?
2: I don't want to say no, just in case someone offers me oh, to get exactly. out there
3: and work. I, I, I don't. <laughs> you just say, I'll watch it if I have to. I'll watch it if I have um, to, yeah. If I'm forced yeah, exactly. to, I'll do um, it, yeah. Uh, but, no, but you'd you'd watch it. You'd have a, you'd have a, you know, like you say, he's developed himself, Jake Paul, into a curiosity of, you know, h- how long can the matchmaking go on that works for him? I think it might work against Nate Diaz in a ring, but they are decent boxers, the Diaz brothers. His brother Nick was a better boxer, in my view. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's all, it's all fascinating. A lot went on last weekend, you know, and um, there's still a lot rolling on. And just hope, let's just pray it's not snowing on December the 3rd when Fury and Chisora walk into the ring.
2: That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes.